1: in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. It's a majestic turd of a Superman film. Christopher Reeve is back as Superman and with him for some reason is Richard Pryor. Supercomputers, weather-altering satellites, and flaming toy penguins, Superman 3 has it all and then some. With me as always to discuss this wonderful (laughs) film is Dr. Anthony Ladon.
2: What a beautiful... What a beautiful okay. work of art, this film.
1: Dude, I love this movie. It's so fun. It's nonsense. Immediately nonsense.
2: Steve, is it possible that Superman 3 is both the best Superman movie and the worst Superman movie simultaneously?
1: Yeah, I think so, right? I mean... How is this possible? Uh Oh, I mean, it's ambitious, right? <laughs>
2: I wasn't I wasn't going to use the word ambitious, (laughs) but uh, I mean, what if what if we
1: take a a world class legendary comedian and say, don't do anything like actually funny? Like, I mean, not not in the sense that makes you funny, like do things that would be like, like if you could be less Richard Pryor and maybe a touch more soupy sales, that'd be great for us.
2: They took someone I'm off the... i not sure I understand. What was that?
1: <laughs> My watch said it didn't understand what I was talking about.
2: <laughs> Neither do I. I don't understand how you can take a face off of the Mount Rushmore of stand-up comedy, <laughs> put him up on a stage opposite Superman, and have him give a five-minute speech about the American value <laughs> placed on the plastic industry. That, that actually happened in this film.
1: Oh, a lot happened in this
3: you movie. people, you like to go sit in church on Sunday, don't you? Yeah. You like to sit and watch the Super Bowl. Yeah. Sit on what? You sit on molded plastic seats. Molded to your well-fed behinds. Now, I don't have to tell you that America leads the world in high-grade plastics. We cannot afford a chemical plastics gap. Now listen to me. Do you want our president of the United States sitting down to write a peace treaty and have his ballpoint pen bust open and the ink run out all over his nice clean pants in front of the world leaders? (laughs)
1: If I were to do, like, if I was to show clips from this movie without context and, like, just make sure that you don't have Superman in them, you would think I'm showing you 30 movies. <laughs> None of them would be, feel like comedies, except for the Rube Goldberg uh, opening yeah. sequence. Oh,
2: I was going to say that. Like, all of Metropolis. It's like the Three Stooges walking through a, a Rube Goldberg.
1: Yeah, it's just mousetrap. <laughs> <laughs> I love I love what the movie decides to do. And I'm not going to even give credit to the director because I believe the movie is its own entity. I don't know. Like the <laughs> the movie comes out and says we're going to establish Gus Gorman, yeah, uh, as unemployed. <laughs> like that's big. That's a real important thing you need to know. Uh-huh. Sure. We're not going to establish him as a genius,
2: not till later.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, and and I don't even he doesn't even know how he's a genius.
2: He's a savant.
1: He is he is a computer savant, and so he's he can't hold down a fast food job for over like you know a half hour and uh and so we set that up that's literally
2: under down. a half hour he had that job
1: <laughs> then so now that we've now that we've done enough character development of gus gorman let's turn our attention to the man of steel in action <laughs> it, uh, and the average day of superman in metropolis <laughs> there are toy penguins on the loose
2: yeah on fire
1: uh, there's uh, there are are cream pies to take to the face. There are bank robberies that aren't necessarily needing to be solved or thwarted, because the police will just randomly shoot into the street.
2: <laughs> My favorite and, was when the guy goes over the hydrant,
1: right? And, so, and then it immediately just starts shoving water into the
2: car. Somehow, somehow the water, the car itself is as watertight as a balloon. <laughs> right.
1: But, the, yet, what, the... <laughs> but yet there's an entry point for this water.
2: Yeah, that's right. So the guy's actually going to drown it up. He can't open the door to get out. That's...
1: No one can open the door. No, because here's here's the thing I find very interesting about this whole sequence, because this is, again, a reestablishing Superman for those who, who have been anxiously awaiting another Superman movie. Mm-hmm. Now, we had not too long ago seen him fly around the earth so fast that he actually changed the earth's uh, rotation and caused time to reverse. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Now we see him ripping a sunroof off of a car.
2: (laughs) The stakes are a little bit lower. I'll grant you Everybody
1: else is... Keep in mind, these people are actually reasonably strong because they're just ripping the handles off these doors. Uh, So this car can be dismantled, but Superman had to go through (laughs) the effort to change. Keep in mind, there are gunshots (laughs) around the city as police are haphazardly chasing one old-timey
2: crook. So this opening scene does establish that this film is a bit more zany. Than pre- previous yes. previous yes. attempts at the Man of Steel.
1: Yeah, I wouldn't even say it's Zany. I'd say it's full Zane.
2: <laughs> so, so Superman 1, It takes itself almost too seriously. I think. I mean, well, so
1: you got to look at it, and we're still figuring out superhero movies at this point, right? Like, well, how do sure, you, go from, how seen... you go from page to screen? You don't have the budget to yeah, do, yeah. like, some of these super fanciful things. Yeah. But you don't really know, like, how do those costumes translate? And really, I don't think we get that until maybe Tim Burton's Batman, right? Like, and so 89, uh, where the idea of, like, well, it doesn't necessarily have to be
2: spandex. Yeah, you don't have to make it look exactly like the comic strip, you know? Right. So it's a little goofy, and it takes itself, I think, a bit too seriously. And yet, I still have affection for that movie for sure. I mean, you're gonna cast—that's a pretty heavyweight cast. You—you got Gene Hackman, got Marlon Brando, Mm -hmm. and you know Christopher Reeve is—he's not a great actor, and like—and yet, like I—I don't—he's like so Superman. I can't imagine anyone else as Superman. Well, because it,
1: it, he does it because, like, again, he looks the part, right? And that's really what you're looking for. And yeah. I, think, I think it's almost the genius of the casting of, of the original Superman too, is because um, you get there's this sense of, but like, Superman doesn't really know how to navigate, right? And you, and, and I, I don't think there's a better uh, summation of, of Superman than Kill Bill. The
4: whole mythology surrounding superheroes fascinating. <laughs> Take my favorite superhero, Superman. Not a great comic book, not particularly well-drawn. But the mythology... The mythology is not only great, it's unique. How long does this shit take to go
3: into effect?
4: About two minutes. Just long enough for me to finish my point. Now, a staple of the superhero mythology... is there's the superhero and there's the alter ego. Batman is actually Bruce Wayne. Spider-Man is actually Peter Parker. When that character wakes up in the morning, he's Peter Parker. He has to put on a costume to become Spider-Man. And it is in that characteristic Superman stands alone. Superman didn't become Superman. Superman was born Superman. When Superman wakes up in the morning, he's Superman. His alter-ego is Clark Kent. His outfit with the big red S. That's the blanket he was wrapped in as a baby when the Kents found him. Those are his clothes. What Kent wears, the glasses, the business suit, that's the costume. That's the costume Superman wears to blend in with us. Clark Kent is how Superman views us. And what are the characteristics of Clark Kent? He's weak. He's unsure of himself. He's a coward. Clark Kent is Superman's critique on the whole human race.
1: The monologue is is like really sums him up. It's a really interesting perspective, and I think it kind of helps shape the perspective on on uh, Superman. But so in, anyway, with this, you have it. So he's. He has to tone down who he is. So he almost doesn't have to be a good actor, right? And you almost don't wonder sometimes if, if that's actually the brilliance.
2: Yeah, you get the sense that, that Clark Kent is an act.
1: Right, yeah, he's the performance.
2: For some reason, he's like superhuman, but he's not a super actor.
1: Right, and as an and as a hero, Superman is kind of like, he's dull, right? I mean, that that's, and I think that that works because I think the idea that, like when you're so much better than everybody, that's got to get boring after a
2: while. You just have to entertain yourself by seeing how how bad you can act and still fool everyone. Right. Right.
1: And I don't want to, you know, I mean I know we're supposed to talk about Superman 3, so I'll talk a little bit about it. There's a giant picture of Clark Kent without glasses. Like a giant picture of Clark Kent without glasses.
2: Yeah, the small, huge. union has Clark without glasses. No one, it's still no one's clocking him as Superman. And it's so Clark
1: Kent, who was like his whole thing was to be this sort of like, oh, he was kind of this ho hum character. Like he kind of just sort of, you know, people knew of him, but he was sort of forgotten. Mm -hmm. For some reason, he gets a huge picture of him without glasses. Well, and it it was probably put up by Lana Lang, mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm.
1: who goes on a date with Superman later. Okay, can I? I... <laughs> is she dumb? She's dumb, right? She's it's got to be.
2: Well, let me say something about the date because we see Superman do a lot of crazy things in this movie. <laughs> we see an evil Superman. We see the the duality of Superman, but in no part of the film is Superman more a monster. Than when he eats dog food and decides he likes eating dog food, this, <laughs> this is before he touches the kryptonite that makes him crazy. Right, right. This is this is, this is Superman at his best. <laughs> <laughs> he, does he not? I, I know he's got super vision. I know he's got like super hearing. He's got super strength. He's got super speed. He's impervious <laughs> to bullets and whatnot. Does he have no sense of smell? Is that what I'm supposed to read from this?
1: You know, I'm gonna give it absolute shout out to the Langs that, um, you know, despite having to hawk her her diamond and and you know, kind of living down on her luck ever since you know she became a single mom, she's still um she's still making like grade A human grade dog food, you know, and I think that that's really important. <laughs>
2: Yeah. yeah I mean, like shows carrots and tuna in a blender? Is that what...
1: Yeah, we're we're getting a real sense of who she is as a, a <laughs> nurturing person. So you're saying that, that I mean, she lets the kid run off where combines are at one point.
2: <laughs> she really cares about the dog, not so much about the child. And that kid was
1: booking. How far does that kid go?
2: <laughs> I love that he eats the dog food. I just I guess it's just really good dog food.
1: Yeah, it's got well he clearly he said so, right? We don't know what they ate on Krypton. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so you have never seen this.
2: Well, I'd seen it when I was a young child. And when I was watching this, I realized how much of this movie I actually remember. I remember Richard Pryor, of course. I had a vivid memory of the tire scene.
1: Oh, yeah, that tire scene is... Uh... It's
2: iconic. So I I remember being a kid having no idea what was happening. Wait, super. <laughs> yeah. Wait, so how can like Superman? Fight, how can <laughs> Superman fight Clark Kent? This is mm-hmm. why is Superman evil? I don't understand any of this. And then the tire scene was pretty impressive because that's the part that really stuck with me for almost forty years. Sure, I remember that. I. I there, there's a, a bit more about this that I remember. I remember the the, the robot that shoots kryptonite. <laughs> I did remember the woman turning into a robot at one point. I did, I did ever I did, so briefly. I did not ever so remember briefly. that. I did not remember that at all.
1: Did you remember uh, Richard Pryor donning a tablecloth cape and trying to ski on a skyscraper?
2: <laughs> He's not only can he. He's good. His ski jump off of the skyscraper is more impressive than anything Superman does in this movie.
1: I was just gonna say, I think Gus Gorman has more super abilities that just keep getting revealed throughout the movie because Superman's a tough one. I mean, I, I mean, I know we're all over the place there, and, that, and I think we're doing that in tribute to the way this film was made. The uh, Superman's a tough. Character, and I think he's historically been a tough character to put on film because of how much, how just how much better he is than anything. Right? I mean, take out Kryptonite, and I mean, what do you got
2: really? Well, you know and I mean? how that's, do you create stakes for a Superman? Right? Because that's always the tough one. Because he's basically God on Earth, and right. If you do that, then you need to bring some other God into the picture, and this movie does not do that but it has a lot to say about like how computers might I don't, is this movie pro technology or is it anti progress i think it's
1: anti i think it's uh, i think it's technophobic in some ways right i think it's yeah. trying to i think it's it's unclear with you know it doesn't know how it how it's how the world is ready to embrace this right and so the idea that and i think there's something about the kryptonite even though it's being used as a weapon because it's not it's not fully duplicating You're almost saying okay hey, these machines have they're going to have limitations and those limitations are actually going to be our undoing <laughs> um again I'm giving this movie a ton of credit with that <laughs> now with uh with so with that you have like so you have to create a, a kryptonite scenario right that's just the only way that you can make superman uh, unless you take them into space, which you know these movies here don't really have that budget, <laughs> until you get to Superman Four, um, this you, you have to like you you what you do is is I think inevitably what ends up happening is you start to diminish Superman. Yeah. Just sure. to make the the plot work, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, okay, when Superman is getting zapped by kryptonite, okay, I get it, he can't move, but then later he's not, and he's still getting like wrapped up by the wires from the computer, and you're like, well, why is that computer so much stronger than Superman? um why why did he take even a second to break those tires off you know what i mean like why is he even struggling to carry clark kent at one point you know like these are the questions that you you start to ask and go well what can he do i mean he can blow oil back into a tanker at at you know a very very Yeah slow his
2: his breath race. has the power to separate oil and
1: water Right. I mean, these are, those are incredible powers, right? And yet,
2: um, and yet, and yeah, and <laughs> he's, thwarted, he's thwarted by like, like computer cables.
1: Yeah. Computer cables. And like, can he flicks peanuts so hard that they break glass. Like they, they shatter bottles and then like, and then he'll kind of melt a mirror. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: and this movie has an interesting use of kryptonite. It doesn't kill him. Because I, I think Gus Gorman gets the, are, are we supposed to understand that he he doesn't quite get the kryptonite compound right?
1: Yeah, it's unknown, so he just puts up he puts nicotine in it. <laughs> does he really? <laughs> he puts tar. Yeah.
2: He puts tar. That's right. So the, so whatever he does, he kind of turns Superman into a bad guy, but he's not really a bad guy. He's more like a prankster. He's yeah. He's just kind of a pain in the ass. <laughs> he's it's not like he's going to use his powers to become wealthy or he's going to take over a, a you know a superpower or something. He's just kind of kind of being annoying to everyone.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I mean, <laughs> how did you feel about the portrayal of the Italian community?
2: <laughs> I remember my father laughing really hard at that scene. And so I think, you know, because my father is a very Italian guy, I mean, I guess I kind of felt like, oh, it's all, I guess it's okay for Superman to be racist. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> why, why not? I, here's the thing. Superman saved the world a lot. A lot. Mm-hmm. He straightens the, the, the Tower of Pisa, which, in, you know, I, I can say this because I'm Italian. As far as world monuments go, you know, maybe in the top fifty. You know, it's, it's
1: not, sure. It's no not. one's talking about it anymore. I think when we when we were of this age when this movie came out, I think like we were still seeing that in cartoons and stuff. So it, like, it seemed like a bigger deal. Yeah, I
2: think I might be generous to saying top fifty. Anyway, he straightens. I don't it. even
1: know if it's still up. I mean, it could have toppled. <laughs> I haven't Googled the Tower of Pisa. He doesn't knock it over. Time.
2: He just straightens mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. and immediately. 72 of the world's nations come out with a censure. Censure, yeah. Condemning Superman. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking, guys, he... He saved the world several times, several times.
1: Yeah, well, we, don't, we we only, I'm sure there's deleted scenes where he was, like, dry humping the Sphinx or something, you know, like, I mean, he was probably all over the world <laughs> well, just, just okay. making a mockery Let, of all of our monuments.
2: Let's take some stock of, like, what evil Superman actually does in this movie. He mm-hmm. takes five minutes to sit on a couch and leer at a woman. Mm-hmm. Right? It sure does. Five minutes tops. Yeah. Uh-huh. A minute late to a a truck crash,
1: which by the way, let's just be real clear. Superman's like kind of like Metropolis's guy and Smallville has a truck accident and they just are like all butthurt because Superman <laughs> was like a minute late.
2: <laughs> so he gets there a minute late and then he uh, kind of leans up against this pillar at the Olympics and with <laughs> with kind of a, a right. dirty grin on his face, <laughs> blows out the torch. Right. Yeah. And then the guy
1: is. I. I do appreciate for the for the film level of patience that they just they just really let that Olympian do that slow walk down the stairs.
2: Well, that's this. a long scene. That, that's yeah. That's a oh ser- yeah. It's a
1: long scene, Anthony. It's a very long scene. <laughs> that's the thing that's crazy about this movie. It is. Two hours, but like if you were to look at the wind chill factor, it feels like seven. <laughs>
2: <laughs> anyway, all I'm saying is that it doesn't really turn him evil. No, I kind of feel he like gets, yeah. he it just kind of turns him into like a regular dude who's kind Got of powers. into pranking people.
1: Yeah, yeah, he drinks a little bit, which by the way, I'm like, I don't know, does that do anything
2: to him? Well, it does seem like he's drunk, it doesn't diminish his super hearing clearly. No. But for some reason he has a psychological split. And I think that's actually kind of an interesting part of the movie. It,
1: well, and he and he's growing a five o'clock shadow, which does bring up like questions like well, how does he normally shape?
2: Well, on on top of that, for some reason his, his suit changes color. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden it's not like that bright American flag red and blue. It kind of turns into like a burgundy. Mm hmm. It's a uh, it's almost like the color of the evil Superman is just a it's just a bit more Zack Snyder, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, And then he. All right. So then Superman has a psychological split. And at that point, I'm kind of interested. And I don't I mean, clearly, as like an eight year old boy or whatever, this made no sense to me at all.
1: As opposed to now.
2: Now it kind of like oh this is kind of interesting but what do well, you it's what do you interesting, But do, does it make sense? What do you do with the psychological split? Are you He's fighting a junkyard. Going to fight in a it's junkyard. Obvious. Why does this take place in a junkyard? This I don't know. <laughs>
1: well, what I like so the thing is this is like you said this is this is something that you would see in the comic book right? This is uh-huh. I think like a compelling point because of you know because of the nature of the duality of superheroes wow. this is this is interesting to see to, to actually lay it out there right and the idea of superman being bad is like it's it's so sacrilegious it's so scandalous oh my gosh but again to your point he's kind of just rotten and then it just happens but there's really no i mean we talk sometimes in, on this uh, podcast about how like too much exposition is a problem this one is like maybe just a touch would have gone a long way right like mm-hmm. if you could just
2: mentioned something let me just let me just put this in context as we're recording this and I just, I just say this for you know future audiences if you're listening to this hundred years in the future, as we are recording this, Joe Biden is our president <clears throat> and you know he, he passed an infrastructure bill and you know his approval rating is still pretty low. I'll tell you what he could do to raise his approval rating if he did every single thing the evil Superman did. His approval rating would skyrocket. <laughs> I want to see, I want to see TikTok videos of him like flicking nuts and smashing bottles. <laughs> you show me Joe Biden flicking nuts so hard that a bottle smashes. Approval rating goes yeah, that's up. True. that's true. It's a good point. That's you good so, point. you show me Joe Biden sitting on a couch with a lady, wondering like what's gonna happen. Will they won't they? Wh- Approval
1: rating goes up. You see, I promise you, there already is a TikTok of him eating dog food, I'm sure.
2: <laughs> you show me Joe Biden flying in to assess. Flying. Flying in the sky. Flying in to assess a recently crashed truck. Number one, the bridge didn't fall down, and he can fly. Maybe blowing out the torch. I mean, blowing out the torch from, from like 50 feet away, that's impressive. Four more years. <laughs> Four more. All you gotta do is show me you can blow out an Olympic torch from fifty feet away. I'll give you four more years and kind of tick off some Italians. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: can we? I mean, this movie's bananas, goofballs, right? I mean, like it is all over the place. Like, I mean, it it <laughs> it's like you could go to well, how do we get them? Uh, the synthetic kryptonite. Oh well, we would have the Gus Gorman character uh, pretend to be uh, uh, an, an army officer um, with a helmet on, and he drives uh, in and then on, he, a,
2: on a jeep and gives a speech yeah. about plastics.
1: He interrupts <laughs> interrupts Superman getting the key to the city, and nobody seems to have an issue with it whatsoever. Even
2: Superman, Superman is pretty Just easily like, well, fooled in
1: this. Well, here comes. He's very trusting here comes uh, an army officer with a gift and it looks an awful lot like kryptonite (laughs) like even if it's pretend kryptonite that's that's like going to somebody like who's about to receive their sobriety chip and give them like a fake bottle of booze it's like that just seems like it's in bad taste
2: so we should so the, talk about... So the... you,
1: give him, you give him kryptonite, and then he's just like, oh, okay, great. And that was it. And that was, and everybody was, oh, okay, I guess I guess that guy represents our
2: armed forces. Okay, so... Plastics. We should talk about the supervillains in this film, because, of course, you've got... Let's just go with villains for right now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Richard Pryor's pretty super. I mean, we don't know... He doesn't even know he doesn't we don't know how super he is because he's able to construct a pretty good model of kryptonite mm-hmm. out, out of pretty out of very reasonable of almost nothing
1: well thank goodness he was able and he, well, like don't sleep on his ability to use a blacked out security guard and some twine to uh, be able to to get the key cards in at the same time
2: uh so one of the my favorite parts of this film is the evil lair. Is it the Grand Canyon? Is that what is that where this is? I think so. Okay, so it think so. It's at the base of the Grand Canyon because where else would you mm-hmm. want a computer, right?
1: Right. You want it you want it to ground. You want it to be grounded, right? You want it to you want
2: it to be at the bottom of the Grand Canyon. If ever I was going to come up with a super computer, that's where I'd put it. And their their vehicle of choice to get to the to the bottom of the Grand Canyon. How does this movie how is it so relentless? Is is a little striped balloon with a tiny propeller never, on the back. This movie didn't have to do that. No, but it, it did it for me. It did it for but me. But it's, it, it's crazy.
1: It's crazy because it never at any point is like, oh, and the you know, and because of those balloons, this thing will happen.
2: The balloons are <laughs> no, so no. tiny. They're tiny little balloons. <laughs>
1: And so Richard Pryor, Gus Gorman—he's his only other alternative to getting down there is a burrow.
2: Is it going down on a burrow? Mm
1: -hmm. That he asks, or tells it not to fly.
2: (laughs) I was watching part of this with my son. He's like, oh, that's... The the donkey (laughs) scene... I
1: I don't doubt it was part.
2: (laughs) The donkey scene. He said, well, that's kind of legit funny, though. (laughs) (laughs) The villains in this film... Are a bit of a step down from Gene Hackman.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're not the. I think they think they're they're a step down from like any super villain's henchman.
2: I mean, they're, they're they're billionaires. I I would imagine, right? Sure. Except for the ditzy girlfriend, who is reading.
1: She's also got duality, right? She, there's there's she's a,
2: reading Kant's Critique of Pure Reason <laughs> until the henchmen walk in, and then she pretends to be ditzy again. That's a very interesting. It's
1: it's a thrill ride. I mean, this is uh, this is a movie that says what would happen if we had imagination run wild, right? Like it's just, just go, right? And I, I I think I like the idea that like superhero movies now, you know, we have like the Avengers and we've got all the Marvel, and so like there there's all this fanciful stuff that goes on, but I feel like there's still that some some degree of restraint, right? Like that at least tries to. To play with the concept of, of logic, right? Like create a universe where this at least makes sense. Mm-hmm. Superman 3 does none of that. <laughs> now, Superman 3 says, this is the world you live in um, if you had a fever.
2: <laughs> uh, now the quite here's my question. Is it possible to make a new uh, a new Superman in the present context? Or is Superman just as a character kind of, have we grown out of Superman? I don't know, I kind of feel like as a society we're kind of beyond, we we need kind of like an anti-hero. Superman's just too boring for us, or he's too naive, or he's just, you you can't bring the stakes up high enough to make him interesting.
1: Well, it's the same, I think it's the same issue that we have with uh, movies about Jesus.
2: It's a it's um, a very similar issue, right?
1: It's very difficult because, like the duality that you were sort of attracted to in Superman three, ha- as haphazard as it may have been uh, uh, presented, um, is is sort of the the allure. That's the story, yeah, right? Yeah. I mean, like with, we've talked about this with, I think with with Jesus films, is that movies about Jesus tend to do okay with uh, the God part, but not the humanity right. part. And so the same kind of thing here, right? I mean, Clark can't, you don't, it's almost impossible to invest in Superman as a character with the way that he's portrayed. I think Man of Steel did a half decent job. And by half decent job, I mean, half of the movie seemed to be a movie that said, let's, let's deal with uh, Superman dealing with the fact that he's Superman and not you know but he but he also like kind of longs to fit in right mm-hmm. so like there's a homesick quality there's a, i need to fit in how do i fit in i have a special power maybe i don't want to have a special power maybe i want to just be a regular person but now i have a responsibility how do i rest like there's all those things like i think that's and and man of steel tried that mm-hmm. and then zack snyder's like no no let me take over you know l- let me let me take the reins and make it a movie that um is completely forgettable from here on out
2: <laughs> I think we're going to continue to as a culture we're going to keep trying to make Superman movies because it worked once, certainly it must be able to work again and people love superhero movies. You can say the same thing about Jesus movies. It's like there's going to be there's you have a built-in audience. People love Jesus, you're going to you know, they've worked in the past, we're going to try to make this work again. It's just a huge challenge to try to make him interesting.
1: Yeah. And that and if you look back at the original Superman, I mean, we look at it through a lens of nostalgia as well. And at the time that they weren't like right now you're flooded with superhero movies, so you have to nail all your superhero movies. Right. So then you you could just have a dude flying and people are already kind of like, all right, yeah, (laughs) I'm interested Right. And so you and you give an origin story. And so people mm-hmm. learn a little bit, maybe that they didn't realize about Superman. And so they're they're interested with there's a bit of a love story. And that's so like so. So it, it's and it's like, wow, this is cool. We're getting effects. We're getting a Superman movie. This is a big deal. Um, so just it, by the nature of it being there. Right. It is, is. It's already got a, it's already got your attention. Mm-hmm. So so Superman now. But but and then that existed. And then the Batman. Um, series start coming through. Now we start seeing superheroes with a bit more nuance, a little bit more edge, a little more grounded in reality to some degree, um, and that matters to us, right? And that starts happening. Well, not just
2: that. We start. We. I mean, you, we're grounding it, Iron Man. Yeah, yeah. Grounding it in reality. Got is Iron one Man part before we
1: got Superman. That's that's true.
2: A grounding in reality is is part of it. I think that the other part of it is that we want our superheroes to be to have legit psychological trauma we want them to be anti-heroes we want them to struggle with their interior in a way that superman can't really do it i mean i guess i guess you can kind of show that he's lonely (laughs) i think that's right and i think that's interesting and i think well i think it can be right i think
1: i think if the, the the biggest challenge that Superman probably faces or could face uh, cinematically, and again, this may not translate to a great superhero movie, but it may translate to a better psychological drama, which would involve a guy that can fly, uh, would be that he doesn't want to be the hero. He wants to be a regular person. And if he falls in love, that compromises his calling. The calling he never asked for, mm-hmm. right? Like he... He he inherited this this problem and, the, and his problem is our salvation. And I think that there's something about that 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 is interesting. Right. But how does that translate to an action movie? And I think that's what Zack Snyder, if I if I try to bail him out a little bit, is like he's like, I'm still on the hook for making an exciting action film uh, amongst all these other marvel movies so superman has to have a lot of action he's the one thing i know how to do is just do a lot of slow motion and blow a lot of things up and so the nuance goes out the window by the time you get to the second act um whereas the first part you do get this sort of this foundation where you're like i might actually i might give a rip about clark kent for the first time ever on cinema you know or and, and so this is this is kind of an interesting thing and then and then it just sort of bails out right and so like the it's our relationship with superman i think that is is the complicated thing and i think that's where you need to focus on is it maybe less so than the relationship he has with like lois lane you know what it's
2: that's an interesting i see here's the thing i think for all of the reasons you're just talking about this movie deserves to be remade because there's a lot of cool concepts (laughs) in this movie number one you've got superman going up against a supercomputer which I think could raise the stakes, and on top of that, you got the duality part of it. I mean, there. I think that we should remake. I this. actually think that
1: the synthetic kryptonite that is somehow not made properly, yeah, uh, has value. I think it's a. I, I th- think you I could do a lot actually... with that.
2: I think absolutely. I'd like to see more racist depictions of Italians. No, yeah, no. I think that. <laughs> I think that's one allow- thing
1: as as a. We're, we're, we're falling short on that.
2: We do this whole movie over, and we set it in Italy. So every single Italian is a is a bad caricature.
1: Mm. Oh, I like this. I like this a lot. <laughs> Superman versus Super Mario.
2: <laughs> this is the movie I want to see.
1: Yeah. No, <laughs> it uh, makes sense.
2: I want to talk a little bit about Smallville. Um... <clears throat> So, we talk about Brad. So yeah, so so Clark Kent is, is going to go back to his class reunion, and he's going to hang out in the gym, where he was always kind of a nerd, and uh, Lana, Lana, she looks at him as the one that got away. Then you've got Brad.
1: Hey, Brad is everywhere, by the way. How many Brads are there?
2: Brad... Brad used to be the the quarterback, right? He was he was a natural athlete. Uh, he won the he won the county bowling championship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a janitor, <laughs> yeah. and and, uh, and Brad Brad's the only one that's left single, and of course Lana Lang is divorced, and so it's just natural for those to hook up. But he's just not taking the hint. And uh, I, I think that there's, I think that there's some kind of commentary on like the high school jock who peaked at high school. You know he was, he was the popular guy in high school, but he never really amounted to much after high school. If you take Brad, like let's just say he's like the control case, like he's the average Midwestern guy. and you put him up against Gus Gorman. Gus Gorman, he's down on his luck. You know, he's never been able to hold down a job. But he was just waiting for technology to catch up with him. Right? So he's, he's just this raw potential. And as soon as computer technology finds him at the right place in his life, he's just going to become this world beater. He's going to become a super person. And so I think that there's something to be said about when you peak. This movie is a commentary on, did you peak at high school or, or is society just catching up to you now?
1: Interesting. So maybe maybe our our opening sequence where we see Superman in his in his amazing feat of just opening up a sunroof and a car, is we would get the sense that maybe Superman has peaked. Yeah. maybe maybe the world mm-hmm. is so safe right now and and this is kind of what he's relegated to right uh just dealing with like metropolis now is like sure there's some there's some crime um but really it's just a it's a bunch of it's just a series well this works as a
2: midlife crisis i mean superman has already saved the world a few times he's already fell in love with lois lane he's over both he's over lois lane he's not a great reporter anymore i mean let's be honest Mm-hmm. Uh, so his, he's, doing,
1: he's doing a piece on a class on his, his class own reunion. class
2: reunion. This is not great journalism. So he's over his mm-hmm. job. He's not really good at his job either. Job anymore. He's not even. He's not a good journalist anymore, and he's also not a good Superman anymore. And at this point in his life, he's just so bored that he's not good at anything, because he has peaked emotionally. He's peaked in terms of talent. He is so bored that he's willing to try dog food.
1: He is so bored that when he's encountering an industrial fire, he uses his ice-cold super breath on a lake (laughs) instead of the flames.
2: He doesn't doesn't want to blow out the flames, no.
1: He doesn't blow out the flames with his ice-cold super breath. He flies a bit away to freeze a lake with the ice-cold super breath and then carry the lake over and let it naturally melt and hopefully provide enough rain from the lake <laughs> to put out the fire.
2: Also, can we can we just talk about it, Superman's racism just a tiny bit? I would love to. <laughs> so, Gus, <laughs> Gus Gorman has established his potential, right? hmm He's smart enough to create... The world's most sophisticated computer. Yeah. and
1: He knows how to tap into weather-altering satellites.
2: He's able to create weather. He's God. He's he's a God-like computer programmer. Mm -hmm. Superman saves him from the evil millionaire. That's fine. (laughs) Then he takes Gus and drops him off at a coal mine. (laughs) And says, can you please get this guy a job? What? What? <laughs> you th- you think that Gus Gorman is going to work at a coal mine after he's realized all of his potential? <laughs> this is this is uh this is not a good look, Superman. Not a great look. It
1: just comes in and just does your boss have a computer?
2: Yeah, got a little he's, one. Got a, he's got a little one. Well, you
1: just, you let him know I got him a good computer programmer, right? here.
2: And poor Gus, all he does, <laughs> he, he's got to walk to the bus station now.
1: Yeah, to walk to the bus station because there's no burrows in sight. <laughs> I love the sequence where they're like behind the supercomputer, and the supercomputer is like, you know, it massive, just this massive computer that um does a really good job of creating video game graphics of superman. I love when he walks in and he's like, "What do you think of this, Superman?" and it's like it shows like an outline of Superman's body and it just starts like changing colors and then it like shows his intestines or something or whatever. It's just like, "Wow."
2: <laughs> well, I also love that you can
1: we're so little we're so impressed
2: back then by anything. <laughs> I love the the way to turn this thing off is to take off a tiny screw, one screw, <laughs> and, and swallow it. That's that's the genius way. Just because if they get it, the, then you just put it back in.
1: <laughs> it's operation.
2: one screw. That's it.
1: How um, <laughs> how prevalent is the fire axe when you're making it? I like how there's a, somebody made this supercomputer, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody had to do it, right? I don't think. They built it, the, like the four of them weren't working on it. So somebody, they had to contract somebody to do it. And then that person, you know, careful enough to be like, well, you're going to have to have some safeguards here. You're going to definitely have to have this this fire axe. And above the fire axe was like a little like a little card or something that was just basically telling you, like, when to use it. And I'm like, that's a pretty interesting
2: Well, addition. I would say that the same people that constructed the computer and installed the fire axe also helped them install uh, legit missiles and missile launchers. In the right, base right. of yes, of, of the Grand Canyon, <laughs> so the, these guys are pretty talented.
1: Well, I, I love the computer can shoot a snot ball that will suffocate Superman.
2: <laughs> I've seen this guy in outer space, but the but he <laughs> right. cannot breathe in a snot ball.
1: <laughs> right, but he can just shoot like within. I, I just, just lasers again. I feel like. He's just he's just sitting on this breath and laser thing, man. It's like he's using it to weld he's half got, the time. He, you
2: know what? <laughs> <laughs> I think it's like the only way to read this movie is that Superman's trying to make things interesting for himself. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah. he's he's suffocating in the snot ball for at least a minute.
1: Seems like that whole whole experience could have been over. Like maybe upon entry. <laughs> like, hey, I'm walking into a place where there are these villains and they're behind a supercomputer and like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe maybe just go, here's what I'm gonna do. Maybe I'll just I'll just laser this thing with my eyeballs a little bit and just sort of call it good. Because an axe will do it. An axe will break the thing.
2: When a missile is flying at you and you've got laser vision, maybe use that instead of like trying to kick it out of the air. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the kicking is an interesting move.
1: The um, the idea that like the computer will only attack if it feels that there's a threat. Yeah, it, and so that's why the acid is not considered it's a not threat. Not
2: considered a threat unless it's heated up. Okay. This this computer this, this is this is your big finish. This computer is smart enough to create a snot ball that can defeat Superman. This computer
1: was able to determine an alien's weakness with no data. Okay. <laughs> Yet it is unable to know that that particular acid, if heated, would completely ruin it.
2: On top of that.
1: Well, there's got to be information on okay. that.
2: Listen, to me, that's, that's, uh, it's, it's a plot hole. I'll admit it's, it's, it's a near perfect movie <laughs> aside from, <laughs> aside from that plot hole. But why does Superman walk in with, the acid behind his back the the, if he's so sure that that the computer won't view it as a threat why is he holding it behind his back like it's a
1: yeah it seems like it feels more threatening when you're coming and concealing it (laughs) you should just be eating it like dog food and see if if the computer even knows (laughs)
2: Uh, uh steve is there a trope or a device or a cliche that you liked in this movie
1: I am a sucker for pies in the face, so I really appreciate that it just came out the gate swinging um you know, and it kind of kind of bookends really because I mean ultimately the computer gets a, a acid pie in the face, which is which is fun, but
2: i like I like any movie that shows me a superhero with duality mm-hmm. this this movie is an interest it's, it's surprisingly it's got a lot of interesting ideas, and it's like the the whole framing is slapstick and I really think that you could remake this movie. I think it would. I think it actually could be a decent movie.
1: So what I so going back to Brad really quick. Why? What? Like, why does he show up at the hotel at the
2: end? <laughs> why like, not?
1: What? Yeah, sure. Right. And then he gets mad. He gets mad because he thinks that that Clark Kent is proposing. When like, why did the like the movie like I'm like movie you don't have to do that. Like we already know he doesn't like Clark Kent. We already know he would rather, he'd like to be with Lana. So they create this kind of weird moment where it looks like he's proposing. And then that makes Brad upset. Like you could have just had Brad be upset. Like the proposal thing was odd. Like it was an odd reason to like, oh, well, we got to make it plausible. That it would push him over the edge. She's like, well, no, he's, he hates him already. And it's, and he really shouldn't be there. Like, that's the biggest problem is that a drunk uh, guy just barges into the hotel room. Like that's that's the problem.
2: I think I think that the real issue with Brad is that he does this at every hotel, like in a fifty mile radius, and any given night he barges in. into every hotel room drunk,
1: ruining engagements.
2: He and he just happened. He just happened to barge into Lana Lang's hotel room. Uh, this is just part of what he does. This is part of what what, what gets Brad excited.
1: This, yeah it's a small
2: it's smallville i you know it's, it's not a lot of not a lot going on he's a tragic character i, I actually think that you're... i think that brad and and clark would have a lot to talk about if they could just get past, past their differences they have a lot in there common so
1: much to talk about it there's so much to talk about in this movie we haven't even mentioned you're just in a slump superman
2: excuse me superman it's me ricky ricky from smallville Superman, tell him he won't hurt anybody. Ricky, he's changed. No, maybe, maybe he's just sick. Superman, please get better. He's not listening to you, Ricky. Yes, he is. He can hear me. He's got super hearing. Superman, you're just in a slump. You'll be great again.
1: Do it, Superman.
2: Superman, you can't hear me, can't you? Superman, you
1: That's that's the takeaway, Steve. Kid, and he's just haunted by it. He's trying to fly away, and he's well, just haunted by a kid. Actually, going,
2: You're just in a slump. <laughs> I think that kid actually has it right. I don't think it's evil, Superman. I feel like he's, he's just, just in a gonna, he's in a bar. He's, he's flicking nuts, but <laughs> busting up whiskey bottles. He's just in a slump. He doesn't make him evil, dude. It gives, that gives you a lot
1: of what this like a, a sense of what this kid's upbringing has been like. This is what he sees. Like if he's. <laughs> We, it's that's what his that's what his mom is telling him. Oh, no, dad's just in a slump right now.
2: If I could flick a nut and and destroy a whiskey bottle, that wouldn't be that'd be my best day. I, yeah, that's not a that slump. Not be are, a, are
1: you kidding me? I'm, that's a streak.
2: <laughs> Who's this movie for, Steve? <laughs>
1: It's it's for it's for an audience that just is is thinks they're too good for it is really what it comes down to. I mean, this movie is not this was this movie was for us as a people, but we we were the problem.
2: Is this movie better, worse, or on par with a Ron Howard film? Um,
1: I I mean, I don't think Ron Howard could make this.
2: I don't know. This is about the same tone as Splash. I mean, I guess Splash is a little bit less zany, but it's definitely on the yeah, zany I mean, side.
1: Splash is like a fanciful uh, lark, whereas this is. I mean, this is. I mean, I like if you were to take. I mean, like I feel like the the movie was a, a Rubik's cube, and I'm like, I maybe I'm watching it in the wrong order. I gotta maybe <laughs> maybe this is the first scene. Is there a half the why, why does Why does Gus Gorman put the skis on in the first place? I mean, the re, that was the whole thing. Everything that happens, like everything that they want to get to, they don't care how they get there. They It's a series of punchlines with no
2: logical setups. You know, if ever I'm rich, what I really would like, <laughs> I'd like a, a giant circular carpet that flips up Oh, and yeah. on the back side is just a light up map.
1: Yeah, that was that was I I did I did like that.
2: <laughs> I would like It doesn't do anything. It just shows you where the tankers are.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Somebody had to build all that. I need a tanker map. Well, how big do you want it? As big as you can make it.
2: Is it okay if it has carpet on one side?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm looking for a Murphy map if you have it. <laughs>
2: Steve is there a half the battle one to grow on moment in this film
1: Uh, yeah stop like proofreading scripts you don't have to
2: (laughs) I, I really think that there's there's a good movie in here man I honestly think that you remake this Here's movie. The thing. I don't remake want to remake this movie. I,
1: <laughs> I want it. <laughs> I don't know. Watch this movie. Just watch this movie. Everyone should watch this movie because I've seen it a couple times recently and I've seen it before, you know, a few <laughs> times and it is, it's like, it's just a gift. It's just like, everything is like, what? It's like, you know, when you, it's like you get a Where's Waldo book, right? <laughs> and you could spend all your time looking for mm. Waldo or you ignore Waldo. Look at the universe that this been this tapestry of nonsense that's around.
2: <laughs> I tell you, what I legitimately liked in this film was the rivalry between the blonde girlfriend and the brunette sister.
1: <laughs> the, the the sneers and the,
2: the sides. They just, they just earnestly hate each other. I can I can watch a film of just those two because <laughs> one one of these is like a legit philosophy professor who just has yeah. decided to dress in polka dots
1: and the other one is a temporary cyborg.
3: Let's go. I was afraid you'd say that. I, I was thinking about taking the bus. Does your boss have a computer in this operation? Yeah, he's got a little bitty one about that big. Well, you tell him he could do a lot worse than to give Gus Gorman here a job.
0: A new Star Wars journey begins in the place all good journeys begin. At, well, the beginning.